Mem Hey Amid Beis, towards the bottom of the Amid. Four lines from the bottom. The Chain Le Inyan Tumme in Makbedal of Chaitzitz. Vim Reitzit Bikiyumai Hareyu Kareva. So we're talking in the Mishnah here about a bowl that has pieces of chametz that are in the cracks of the bowl to hold it together. So the Mishnah said regarding chametz on Pesach that it depends if it's the size of a kezayis, if it's not the size of a kezayis, if you have to get rid of it or not. It also depends on what section of the bowl it is. Is it actually helping insulate the bowl or is it in a part of the bowl where it's not helping insulate it? But then the Mishnah says that by tum it's the same thing. And the Mishnah carries on to say, it depends if you're particular about it being there or you don't want it to be there, or, or you do want it to be there. Again, makbid means that you don't want it to be there. It's like dirt that you don't want. Or reitzibikiyuma, you want it to be there to hold it in the crack. So then it's part of the bowl. mi How is the Mishnah saying v'chein that we're comparing, when it comes to Tumah, we're comparing it to Chometz and Pesach? Hasam, when it comes to Chometz, b'shiyuda talya milsa. The Mishnah says that it depends if it's a kezayis or less than a kezayis. But hacha, when it comes to Tumah, what does the Mishnah say? V'kepeida talya milsa. It depends if you're particular about it or not. So how could it say v'chein? Amar Rav says Rav Yudah as follows. You have to change the Mishnah. The Mishnah is saying that when it comes to Tumah, and you have the dough that's stuck inside the bowl, and at this point we're going to assume that the relevance of this is that you're going to be tiveling this bowl, and the question is, does it uh, constitute a chatzitza, the fact that you have that pieces of dough inside of it or not? So when it comes to tefillah, it's not the same as chametz. Over here it depends if the person is particular about it or he doesn't care, he wants the dough to be inside for the crack. But in the Mishnah it says that it does compare Tumit to Chometz. How could you say that you read the Mishnah that it's by Tumit's not so? So Abaye says a different shot. What we're talking about over here is not the halach of Chatzitze at all. This is what the Mishnah meant to say. When we're, what we're talking about over here is Tziruf Tumah. The Gemara is going to explain in a moment what Tziruf Tumah is talking about. We're talking about combining two pieces of dough together in order to come to the size that you need for something to transmit Tumah. There's a minimum size required for something to be able to transmit Tumah. What's that? A kebetz has to be the size of an egg. So what we're talking about over here is combining two parts of a dough, a, dough, a piece of dough that you have, combining that to the piece of dough which is stuck in the crack of this bowl, as the Gemara will explain. That's what the Mishnah is talking about. But now, Abai explains, you have to divide the Mishnah in two parts. The Pesach, there's, if this happens on Pesach itself, and then then there's the rest of the year, and in the rest of the year, there is a difference if the person is particular, if he's makbid, or if he's not makbid. In other words, what Abai is saying is, you really have to divide the mission into two statements. When it says in the Mishnah, you put a period right over there. If the Tumah happened on Pesach itself, then it'll matter if it's a Kezayis or not, since it's Pesach, as the Gemara will explain. But then, when the Mishnah goes on to say, That's not talking about on Pesach. That's talking about this halacha of Tumah, if it happens any other day of the year. Now the Gemara explains exactly what's the case over here of this Tziruf of Tumah. What happened over here? You have food that's less of the minimum size for it to transmit Tumah. So it's less than a kebetzah. V'nogu b'hai botzik. 
So that, now this food touched, comes in contact with this piece of, of dough that's inside the bowl. Now, is that, because it touched this piece that's inside the bowl, it, com- it could combine to become the full size, the full size of a kibetzah. So what's the halacha? Pesach. So on Pesach, I say the isurei choshov that the isur of Pesach makes this kezayis. That's there in the dough choshov because you ha- it's a kezayis and you have to get rid of it. So therefore, mitztaref the piece of dough that's inside the bowl will combine, and it'll be it'll uh, be mashlim the shear for it to be uh, be able to transmit tuma. That's on Pesach itself. So the point over here is, you have this dough stuck inside the bowl. That dough that's stuck inside the bowl, what is it? It's food? It's still dough? Or has it just become part of the bowl itself? It becomes bottled to the crack of the bowl and it's a chalik of the bowl itself. So it depends if it's the size of a kezayis. So since legabe Pesach, the halach is that you have to take out that kezayis and burn it, so it's not considered to be bottled to the bowl. So therefore that kezayis will combine to other food, less than a kebetza that came in contact with it, to be mashlim, the full size that you need to be transmitting tumah. But if it's less than a kezayis, and you don't have to get rid of it on Pesach, so then it's like part of the bowl. So therefore even if it comes in contact to other food, it's not mitztaref. Because now it's part of the bowl. It's not, it's not food anymore. So therefore it doesn't become, it doesn't transmit Tumah. So this is the halacha on Pesach. On Pesach what matters is, is it a kezayis or not? Since Legabi Pesach, this is what determines whether it's still food or part of the bowl. So on Pesach, regarding Tumah, to combine to the full size, it'll also matter with a kezayis just like for Pesach itself. In the rest of the year, where this halacha of chametz of Pesach does not exist, so over here, the Bekpeh Italian Milsa, over here, how will I determine whether that food, that uh, dough that's stuck inside the bowl, in a crack of a bowl, whether it's part of the bowl or it's dough for itself? Over here, it will be totally in the person's Kepeda, whether he's particular about this. In Makbir Olav, if he's particular, in other words, he wants to take that dough out, Mitztarev. So it's still food and it will combine to, the, to make up the full size to be able to transmit Tumah. If he wants this food to be stuck inside the bowl itself because it, fix, it fixes the crack, then it becomes like part of the bowl. It's not food anymore. It does not combine to make up the full size of Tumah. So this is Abai's Pshat in the Mishnah. Basically, Abai is saying what the Mishnah is speaking about is the Halacha of Tziruf. When could I combine dough that's stuck inside a bowl, in the crack of a bowl, when could I combine it to other food to make up the full size to be able to transmit Tumah? And there's a difference if it's on Pesach or it's the rest of the year. Maskev on this Rava asks, that's what the Mishnah is speaking about, about a tziruf, about combining. Mikatani mitztaref, does it say in the Mishnah the expression of mitztaref, that we're talking about combining for the full size of Tumah? The Mishnah says we're talking about the halacha of a chatzitza by Tumah. When you have a chatzitza, something that separates from the water and the bowl, when you toivel, it talks about chatzitza. Hello, my Rave, says Rave. Rather, the Pshat of the Mishnah is as follows. So according to Rave, according to all the Pshatim that we're going to learn over here, they all say the same, a similar Pshat, which is that you have to split the Mishnah into two. When it says, V'chein lin yutumet, there's a period. V'chein lin yutumet, it's talking about Tumah on Pesach. And then when it says, Im makbid, that's talking about the rest of the year. But to, Rave says, the relevance is not regarding combining the, the, the Tzirov, the, the relevance is something else. V'chein lahalais tara la reva. When you're coming to toivel a bowl on Pesach and it has dough stuck inside the cracks. So 
So there's going to be a difference if it's Pesach or the rest of the year. Hechidomi, what's the case we're speaking about? Kogoin, the itami hachareva, this bowl became tome, uboilat bullet. And now you want to table it. Be Pesach, so on Pesach, the isurai choshov, that if it's a kazayas, so then the isurai choshov, choitzitz. So that kazayas that's there inside the crack is going to be a chatzitza. On Pesach, you have to look at the halacha of Bayiro by of Pesach. If for, because of Bayiro, you have to take it out, so it's going to be considered choshuv that you have to take it out, even for the chatzitza of the tefillah as well. And if for Pesach, you don't have to take it out, so that it has no chashivas, you want to leave it inside the bowl, so then for the tefillah, it won't be a chatzitza either. So if for Pesach it is chashuv, so then the tefillah will not take effect, it's a chatzitza. But for the rest of the year, I don't determine whether it's a chatzitza or not based on if you have to take it out because of balyara or not. There's no balyara on the rest of the year. So the rest of the year, the only thing that matters is, are you particular about it? If you're particular and you want to take it out, then it's a chatzitza. If you're not, you want it to be there to fix the crack. So then it becomes part of the bowl and it's not a chatzitza. So he says the same concept. Like Abaya, we make a distinction between Pesach and the rest of the year, but the relevance is regarding toiveling this keli. Does it say in the Mishnah that the same Allah would, pl- would apply when you want to be metayer a keli, when you want to toivel a keli? In the Mishnah it says that the same Allah would apply regarding Tumah. What does Tumah mean? In order to become Tumah, not in order to remove its Tumah, in order to purify it. Alam Rav says Rav again, the similar pshat, but he applies it to an actual case where it's becoming Tomei. In order to determine whether this bowl would become Tomei. And what's the case? There's a sheretz that touched the bowl, but it didn't touch the bowl itself. It touched the dough that's there inside the crack of the bowl. So now when it touched that dough that's in the crack of the bowl, do we consider it that it touched the bowl itself? Or no, it only touched food that's stuck in the crack. So the bowl won't become tummy. So how do we determine this? Be Pesach, the Yisurei Choshev, on Pesach, if it's a Kezayis. So the Issa makes it Choshev, then Chaitzis. So then when it touched the food, it's like food for itself. You have to take it out. It's not part of the bowl. So the tumah of the sheretz that touched that piece of food will not go to the rest of the keli. That piece of food will become tummy, but it's not part of the keli because he's supposed to take it out. In the rest of the year, where there's no is of Baal the Bekpei the Talia, over here it only depends on whether a person is particular or not. If you're particular about this, then it's a piece of food for itself. You're taking it out so the bowl won't become tummy. If the person is interested in leaving the food as part of the bowl to fix the crack, so then it becomes like part of the bowl itself. If a shed has touched that food that's inside the crack, it's like it touched the whole entire bowl and the whole bowl will become tummy. So we out of here four different shatim in the Mishnah. Okay, Gemara goes on to another Mishnah. Zokta Mishnah, Batse Kacheresh. Deaf dough. There's actually two ways that I read this Mishnah. One is Batzik Acheresh, deaf dough. And Rashi says what this means is a piece of dough that's just like a person that's deaf, that you see he has ears, but you don't know if you can hear or not. 
Same thing, you have a piece of dough, you see the piece of dough, but you can't determine whether it became chametz or not. There's no signs that shows that it is chametz, but you're not sure. It might have become chametz. That's why it's called cheresh. Another pshat Rashi says is you read it botzik cheres, meaning it's a piece of hard hard botzik of dough as hard as an earthenware. It's very hard and tough, and you so you can't determine if it became chametz or not. Im yesh If you have another piece of dough that was needed at the same time, and that other piece of dough did become chametz, so then Areza also, even if in this piece of dough you don't see the signs that shows that it's chametz, but you could compare it to another piece of dough that was needed at the same time, so you'll know it's chametz. Says the Gemara, So if you don't have another dough needed at the same time to compare to, so how do, what do you do? How do you know? If in order for a person, the length that it takes from a person to travel, from this Migdal Nunya, some kind of a tower by Nunya, to Tverya, that amount of time, if you left the dough, that amount of time, you know that it's Hametz. And how long is this? Mil. It's a distance of a mil, which is 18 minutes. So There's a few different opinions how long a mil is. There's one opinion that it's 24 minutes, 22 minutes, or 18 minutes. So, of course, we're Machmer, the most stringent opinion, 18 minutes, that if you leave dough without working with it for 18 minutes, it becomes chametz. As long as you work with a piece of dough and you don't leave it sitting idle, so then you can, you can have it for a very long time, it will not become chametz. We're talking about if a person leaves the dough and he's not working, he's not touching it, he's not working with it. mil. Why didn't he just say the measurement, the time that it takes to walk a mill? Answers the Gemara, Hakamashmulan, he's telling you the Shiyura, the mill, He's letting you know how long a mill is. That a mill is that distance from Migdal Nunya to Tveria, which people then knew what that distance is. So he's letting you know the distance of a mill. So just like Rabshim ben Lakish said, this shear of a mill regarding the Khamits, the same is also regarding other things. Legabal, a person that was hired for Gabal, which is a person that is uh, needing those for people. So he's hired to be a person that uh, bakes, needs, and so on. So the question is, when he's hired to need, he has to have a keli to hoira, a keli that's not tome to need in it. So how far does he have to go to find a keli tar to do his job for the person that he was hired? Lutzvila, or when a, a person has to go to Davin, Rashi says we're talking about a person that's traveling on the road and it comes at night and he has to go find a shul to Davinin. How far does a person have to go to find a shul to Davinin? How about for Natilis Yidayim? If a person has to wash for bread, how far is the person obligated to go and find bread to be able to eat? Arba milin. You're obligated to go for mil. Okay, so before we said one mil regarding chametz, but regarding these three things, you're obligated to go four milin. Regarding tefillah, there's a machlekes rishayim. What it's talking about over here, some rishayim say that it means to go find a minion to daven. So we see over here the importance of a minion that a person should go four mil to find a minion. Other rishayim say it actually doesn't even mean a minion necessarily. It means to go and find a shul. The gemara in brachas we learned it says there that there's an inyan to daven in a shul even if there is no minion, just to daven in a shul. So when a person is traveling on the road, so he has to go an extra four mil to go and find a shul to daven in, even without a minion. Commented about this, it wasn't said, Rabbi Shimon ben Lakish did not say it in the name of Rabbi Vo, rather he said it in the name of Evu. And he actually said a fourth thing. There's the three that we just mentioned, but there was a fourth thing that he said. 
Um, and one more that he said was Ibud, the halacha of tanning. When you're working with leather, this follows. It's not because in the Mishnah it says, the Kulon Sheibdon, so the halacha that this Mishnah is talking about, it's a Mishnah in Mesech Techulin regarding Toma. Usually, only food that's Royal Achille is Makabal Toma. Something that's not Royal Achille is not Makabal Toma. So, usually, the hide of an animal is not Royal Achille. But there are certain hides of animals that are soft enough that people would eat it. The hide of a calf, different, very soft hides that a person would eat. But then the Mishnah there says, even those hides that are soft enough for a person to eat and would be considered to be food, but the kulon she'ibdon, all of them that were worked out to become a leather, when you, when you start working it out to be a leather, you step on it to make it harder to be a piece of leather. So you worked it, you stepped on it long enough for the work to make it a leather to hide it. So now it's not a piece of food anymore and it would be tired. The Mishnah there says, the skin of a person, it doesn't make a difference. It's uh, over there, this exception doesn't apply. This is a different, the Gemara there explains what's the reason why it's an exception. It's not a gay here. But the point is, the Mishnah there says that when you take a skin, even a very soft skin, that you would be a piece of food. But if you step on it long enough, so then it now becomes hardened like a piece of leather and it won't be, be susceptible to Tumah. Now, how long are we talking about that you stepped on it to harden it? Amrab Inya, Amrab Yanai, or another Gersi here is Amrab Evu. That's what it's supposed to be. As we said before, this was Evu that said this. In the name of Rab Yanai, Kedei Hiluchar Ba Milan. You stepped on it long enough, like the distance of walking, for mil. That was the fourth case that he mentioned. Amrab Yesi, Barab Chanine, Loishanu. The halachas that we learned before about the obligation of a person to go an extra four mil is El Alafanov. This is only to go ahead of him, to go in the direction that he's traveling. That instead of stopping where you are, so since you're heading in that direction, you're obligated to go an extra four mil in that direction for water. Rashi says that this Leishana was only going on water for the Tilisidayim or finding a shul for davening. But if you have to go back in the opposite direction of where you're coming or where you're heading to, I feel a mill ain't a A mill, even if it's only a mill that you can go back to find water or a shul, you're not obligated to go back even if it's a mill away from you. So Ravacha now says, but from this that Rabbi Yisrael said, I understand, if it's a mill, then you're not obligated to go. But if it's less than a mill, you are obligated to turn around and go back to get the water or find the shul to Davenin. But Rashi says, regarding the person that we were talking about, the gabal, the person that's needing, so going ahead or going back doesn't make any difference. He's not traveling. We're not talking about a person that's traveling. We're talking about a person that's hired to do a job to knead and bake dough. So he's obligated to go in either direction to be able to do his job properly to find a keli tohar to knead the dough. Four mil, either direction. Zog the Mishnah. Keitzat mafrishin chale betume beyomtif. How do you separate chale? On Yontav and Pesach, so on Yontav itself, this dough became Tomei. So how are you going to separate this Chala on Yontav? So the problem over here is, as Rashi points out, what is the person going to do? He's going to be mafresh the Chala on Pesach itself. So if you're going to bake it, so then you can't eat it. It belongs to the Kayan. You're not allowed to eat it. You're not allowed to bake on Yontav anything only for the Eichel Nefesh, if you can eat it. But this Chala, once you separate the Chala, you can't bake it. What's going to happen if you're not going to bake it? It's going to become chametz. So you can't just leave it there and then, and then burn it at night. On the other hand, so what are you going to say? That maybe you should burn it on Yontif. You don't have to bake it, but burn it. 
You're not allowed to burn something, Stamazay and Yantif. So what do you do over here? How do you take Chala of this on Yantif if it became Tomei? That's the problem over here. So the Mishnah explains a few ways of what you should do. Rabbi Yezah says, Leitikr Loshem, do not call it, do not separate your Chala, until you bake all your Chala, until you bake all your Matzah. You're baking matzah, when you finish baking the matzah, so then you separate the, the, the challah. This is the way it's done today also in the matzah bakeries. They don't separate the challah before uh, when it's still dough. After it's matzah, then they separate the challah. And the Gemara will explain later, we'll see a big arichis in the Gemara. Rabbi Yezah's opinion over here is based on the fact that as long as you have all the matzah in one basket, so it unites it as one thing, and you take the matzah, you separate the challah from that matzah in the same basket. So now you have no problem. It's already baked this matzah. It won't become chametz. That's Rabbi Yezer, uh, opinion. Ben Beseda says there's another eitzah. Tatl b'tzaynon. You can take, you can separate the chali even when it's dough, but just throw it into freezing cold water and it won't become chametz. That's it. There's a shaila actually based on this that Pais uh, can speak about. Would you say the same thing today if you put it in a freezer? That if it freezes it, that it doesn't allow it to become chametz. It's a shayla. It's a machlekes about this. If you can say such a thing, because of here it says dafka cold water. Maybe it's not enough that it has to be cold. It has to be dafka cold water. Um, Rabbi Yeshua, Rabbi Yeshua says it's not a problem at all. Rabbi Yeshua says loy zehu chametz shemuzharnalabavayirabayimotze. If you're gonna separate your chale, and then you have chametz sitting in your house and you're not allowed to bake it, it's gonna become chametz. Don't worry, it can become chametz. You're not going to be over on Bayra by a matzah on this. It's not yours, Bachlal. Rashi here explains. The Gemara is going to speak about this. It's not yours. What happens when you separate the challah? Who does it belong to? It doesn't belong to you anymore. You separate it for the kayan. On the other hand, it doesn't belong to any particular kayan yet either. You can't say, oh, it belongs to a particular kayan, and now you sort of have a pekodon in your possession. You're safeguarding it for a particular kayan. Not yet. So it's not yours. It doesn't belong to a particular kayan yet either. So it doesn't, it's not owned by anyone. So it's, it's, you're not even by Yerob by Yomotza. As we learned in the first Patek, in order to be even by Yerob by Yomotza, it has to be Lecha, has to be Shalcha, yours. El also he says, therefore, Mafrishasa, you can separate the Chale, Umanichasa, and you could leave it there at the Erev until at night. If it became Chomitz, it's not an issue. It's not owned by anybody. That's Rabbi Yeshua's opinion. So we have here Machlaikis. Is there an issue with this challah becoming chametz or not? Rabbi Yezah said it is. So you have to separate the challah after you bake it. And Rabbi Yeshua says it's no issue. You can separate the challah before you bake it and it doesn't matter. So now what's the basis of their machlaikis? Leime, shall we say, The argument over here is the benefit that you have of the choice to choose which kind to give it to. In other words, this challah true. You have no ownership over this challah. Once you separate it as challah, it's not yours anymore. But there's one aspect of gain, of monetary gain that you have of it. What is that? You could be paid off by somebody. Someone can pay you something to say, I give you some money and I want you to give all your challah to this particular kayan. So you can choose which kayan to give it to and you can make money off of that. That's what's called teivas hanal. You have a certain benefit that you can choose which kayan to give it to. The question is, that monetary value that you have by choosing a kayan is that an ownership. Is that somewhat of an ownership or not? 
That's what it seems the Machlekes here would be. The Rabbi Savar, the first of Rabbi opinion of the Mishnah is This choice that you can make which kind to give it to is a, an ownership. It's a monetary ownership. So therefore, the Chala, although it belongs to the Kayin, but you also still retain a certain ownership in it. And therefore, if it becomes Chametz, you're going to be over by it all. But Rabbi Shua Savar, Rabbi Shua says, no, in a moment. This choice that you can choose which kind to give you to give it to is not has no monetary value. It's really not yours anymore. So therefore, even if it becomes chametz, you're not going to be either. That's what Abishur says. It's not an issue. Says the Gemara Loi. You don't have to say that they're arguing about this subject. The kulal mesavri. Everybody would hold toivas ano ain a moment. Just the choice to give it to a kain. That benefit is not monetary value. It's not. You have no ownership over it. So What are they arguing about? They're arguing about the concept called hoyl since. What's the hoyl here? So the Gemara explains. This concept of hoyl is applied in different instances. And the Gemara brings over here, as we'll see, a few different applications for this hoyl. The hoyl would be the Rableyeza Sava. Rableyeza holds Amrina. What we say is hoyl v'iboi itchel Allah. Since it's possible, even after you separated the chala, you could ask a chacham to be matiyaneder and to remove that status of chala and to gain ownership back on it. So since you could remove that status of chala, you still have control over it. Because you could do this, so it means that your ownership is not completely removed. When you sell something, you can't take it back. It's gone. Or you give it as a gift. It's not yours anymore. But by chala, you're able to retract it. So since you're able to retract it, you never fully remove your ownership. That's Rabbi opinion. Rabbi Yeshua says, I don't say this concept of hoyl since you could. Right now, the fact that is it is chale. As long as it is chale, so it's not yours. The fact that you could theoretically take it back, that doesn't uh, constitute any ownership at all. So they're arguing about the subject of hoyl or not. Now the Gemara brings another application for this, another place where we find this machloikas about hoyl. Itmar, we learned the machloikas of Amiroim, ha'oife miyomtif l'choyl. A person is cooking on yomtif, not for yomtif itself, but for the weekday. So the only hat to cook a yantif is for the purpose of oichel nefesh of yon, on yantif itself. So if a person is cooking on yantif for the purpose of a weekday, so what's the halacha? Rav Chista maloike. Rav Chista says he gets malkus. He's cooking on yantif. It's like doing any malacha yantif, not for the purpose of, of your food that you're eating. Rabba ma enaloike. Rabba says nope. There's no malkus. So the Gemara explains the malkus. Rav Chista maloike loyamirin on hoyl or mikli la archim chazile. We're not going to apply a concept of hoyl, meaning. Even if the person is not cooking for food that he has to eat today on Yontif, but if he's cooking on Yontif for the weekday, it still is possible that guests may show up and that food is going to end up being used for those guests. So therefore, Rav Chista says, even if you're cooking to the weekday, how can we give him Malkus? This food could be used on Yontif itself. So therefore, there's no Malkus. But Rabbi says that he does, ain't uh, like, again, uh, did I confuse something? Uh, again. <coughs> okay, so so yeah, so I confused that. So let me say explain it again. Rav Chizda says you do get Malkus because We will not apply this rule that since guests may show up, so therefore the food could be used for those guests. You're, you're cooking for the weekday, so therefore it's not for uh, Yantif. So you have Malkus. Rabba Omar, so Einaloike, Rabba says you don't get Malkus. Omrinan, because what we say is, Hoyol, since guests might show up, so even though you cooked it for the weekday, but if guests will show up, so then the food is going to be used for Yantav itself, so therefore there's no Malkus. So this is another application for this concept of Hoyol. 
the, the idea of Hoyal is, right now, it's one thing, or I cooked it for one purpose, for the weekday, but, theoretically, something could change afterwards. So therefore, do I say that therefore it's not fully designated for the weekday? There's always the possibility it should be for Yontif itself. That's the question whether you, uh, you apply this concept of Hoyal here. Rabbi is going to prove now to Rav that we do apply this concept of Hoyal here. Why? According to your opinion that we do not use this concept that maybe guests will show up. How are you allowed to cook from Yontif to Shabbos? What happens when you have Yontif on Friday? So what do we do? We prepare all of our food on Yontif. For, uh, on Yantif for Shabbos. How are you allowed to do that? Just like you're not allowed to cook from Yantif to weekday, you shouldn't be allowed to cook on Yantif for Shabbos. So what's the hatta to prepare the food? So Rabbi basically is saying, according to my opinion, there's a concept of hoyl. You're allowed because really guests might show up. So therefore, Minatayre, it's allowed. Even though Rabbi only said, ain't like it. Rabbi said that Minatayre, it's, it's uh, not, it's, it's uh, going to be allowed, but Midrabanan, it's still Asr. However, for the purpose of Shabbos, it would be allowed. But according to you, Rav Chista, that is allowed, that you get Malkus for this, so then what would be the Vahetta for this? Amalei says, Rav Chista, Mishum, Eidif Tafshilin. And the Hetta is because you're making an Eidif Tafshilin. That's why we make an Eidif Tafshilin, in order to be matter, to be able to cook from Yantif to Shabbos. So the Gemara Masech Debeitzeh explains Barichas what exactly Eidif Tafshilin accomplishes. But basically, he's telling him, you're right, it would be Asr, but it's only the Eidif Tafshilin that's matter this. So Rabbi asks Rav Chista, an Eid of Tavshilin could be Matar Isam and Atayra, you're doing a Malacha, which you have Malchus for it, and you make an Eid of Tavshilin, it's Matar and Malacha Dairaisa, how could this be? Amalei, so he answered him, no, I'll tell you what my opinion is. Midairaisa, Tzorche Shabbos Nasim Biyamtev. Min Atayra, the food that you need on Shabbos is allowed to be prepared on Yamtev. The comparison that you're thinking, that just like you're not allowed to cook on, Sha- on Yontif for the weekday, so too you're not allowed to cook on Yontif for Shabbos, is not true. You're allowed to cook on Yontif for Shabbos. Rashi here brings the source. Why, Menatayra, are you allowed to cook on Yontif for Shabbos? Because the Pasuk, when it says, the Isser, it says, that you're allowed to cook for the Kedusha of Yontif. And Shabbos and Yontif is both considered to be holy days. It's like one Hemshech the Kedusha in that sense. And therefore you can cook on Yontif for Shabbos. I mean, I tell you it's allowed. But Rabbanan the Gazru Be It's only with Rabbanan that you're not allowed to cook on Yontif for Shabbos. Why not? Because people might confuse the two and say, if I could cook on Yontif. For Shabbos, I could also cook on Yontif for a weekday. That's a mistake people will make. But it's only us with Rabbanan. But now that the Rabbanon said that you make an Eid of Tavshilin, the point of the Eid of Tavshilin will serve as a sign to remind you that there's a difference between cooking from Yontif to Shabbos or from Yontif to the weekday. That's the only reason why it's allowed. So what do you see from this Gemara? Before we go back to just an important point, according to both opinions, Rabbi and Rav Chiste, the only reason it's allowed to cook on Yontif for Shabbos with the Eid of Tavshilin is because the Iser would have been otherwise Midrabonah. The Eid of Tavshilin is only coming to be Matar and Isser Midrabonah. It's not coming to be Matar, Isser Minatayra. Eid of Tavshilin can't be Matar, Isser Minatayra. Because of this, the Alter Rebbe says in Shulchan Aruch, we paskin like Rabbi. Rabbi disagrees to what it says over here, that cooking from Yontif to Shabbos would be awesome in a Midrabanon because it's different than Yom Tov Techel. No, it would also be Aser. 
Minatayra. The only reason it's Asr only Midrabanan is because we follow Rabbi's opinion of Hoyl. If you cook the food earlier on on Yantif, since guests might show up, we rely on that Hoyl, and therefore it's only Asr Midrabanan. So the only time Eidif Tafshilin works is if you cook your food earlier on in the day on Yantif, in order to be early enough that guests could eat it. Then the Eid of Tashilim will work. If a person cooks his food on Yantif, puts up the chalant on Shabbos, on Yantif, right before Shabbos, a minute before Shkia, so then there's no hail. And the Eid of Tashilim doesn't work. The Alter Rebbe says in Shulchan Aruch, you have to be very careful that when you cook for Yantif to Shabbos, it should be earlier on in the day that the food should be ready for a guest to come and eat it. Then the Eid of Tashilim will be matter. Another question on the subject of hail, Eisvei Beheime Hamusukenes. A behemoth which is about to die. So what happened? The person doesn't need any food. This is on a yontif. He doesn't need to eat anymore. He's full. But now he has a behemoth that's about to die. The behemoth is going to die. He's going to nevela. So he's going to have a great loss. So what does he want to do? He wants to shecht it before it dies. Lo yishchait. You're not allowed to shecht this behemoth on yontif. El yochel lechel emena only if it's early enough in the day in Yantif that there's still time for you to roast one kezayis to be able to eat on, y- on that Yantif from this uh, behemoth. That's what it says. So you could shecht it, even though you don't need to eat it, as long as there's enough time that potentially you could eat it. So what does it say here? Yochel lechel, as long as there's enough time that you could eat from it, but even though you're full and you don't need to eat anymore. So, so Rabbi says, Bishloim Lididi the Amri Hoyel. I did say that concept of Hoyel, since possibly guests will show up. You say over here as well, since it's possible that you'll, you'll eat from this Behemoth Kazayas. So, therefore, Hoyel vi Boyel Mechel, since if he would want to eat, Matzi Achel. He can eat a Kazayas, there's enough time. Mishum Hachi therefore, he can shecht from this. El Lididach. The Amrit, Loyamrin and Hoyel, but you'd have Chisid that says we don't say this concept of Hoyel, that guests might show up. So, why should you shech this animal? We shouldn't say here either that since you might want to eat a Kazais of it, the person's full, he's not going to eat anymore. Amalei, so Rav Chisda answers him, Mishum Hefsid In this case, it's allowed because of the loss of money. Otherwise, the Baim is going to die, it'll all be in a Vela. Because of a loss of money, we're going to be mata isim and According to you, there's no hail, and this is isim and How can we be mata this? said, you misunderstood what I said. In mishum it's because of the loss of money. We know for a fact he'll find space to eat another kezayis in order for him to be able to shech this animal. And if he's going to eat even just one kezayis, so then you have to you, you allow him to shech the entire animal. You can't even eat one kezayis without shechting the whole animal. So in this case, it's not a hoyal of maybe it's going to happen. We could assume that because of the loss of the animal, he's definitely going to eat this kezayis.